Well, 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 what is up, everybody? Hey, welcome here to God Squad Church. My name is Susie. I'm the preaching pastor here, and I want to extend a special welcome to you, whether you're watching live first service, whether you're walking your second service, Spotify, YouTube, all the amazing ways of being part of our community. Welcome, welcome. And I also want to extend a special welcome to my parents who are in the room. Can we get to put our hands together? Will you put some hearts in the chat for my mom and dad? Some of you guys don't know, but Susie is a playoff of my real last name, which is Souza, and my dad is also a pastor. So I joke around and say that my dad is actually the original Pastor Susie. I don't know if the world has room for two Pastor Susies, but I guess we'll find out today. It's awesome to have you. We are jumping into a new series today that I am ecstatic to announce to you in just a moment. There's two types of people in the world, okay? You guys ready to find out what they are? Two types of people in the world, and it all revol revolves around the way that people manage their desktop icons, okay? If you're not familiar with that terminology, desktop is basically the background of your computer, and the icons are the little icons you put on your desktop that let you open up a game or a web browser or a folder, whatever it might be. And there's two types of people in the ways they handle this. And the first group of people look a little bit something like what you're going to see on the screen, okay? Now, I notice some of you, immediately your heart rate is elevated, okay? You're already feeling anxious. You're feeling stressed out. To some of you, you, this is worse than voting for the different person that you voted for. Like, there is no way that someone could be a Christian and live this way. Like, that is how some people feel when they see this level of desktop management. And to some people, it makes no sense, but to some of you, it makes total sense. Like, some of you are freaking out when you see this chaos, and some others are like, what? <laughs> like, I see no problem here. This is exactly how I manage my icon. Because to you, there's a method to the madness. To you, nothing is wrong with the, what you see on the screen. This is completely normal. Everything's out of place, but at least you know where it is. Some people, this is how they manage their icons, but then there are other people who manage their icons like this, and they need everything to be crisp and clean, and this is the way of the world. Some people cannot live their lives unless everything is in order, everything has a place, everything has a name tag, everything has a spot in the manila folder, which is color-coordinated, everything. Some people have to live this way. And then there's the really smart people like me who actually have my desktop icon, like the first one, but have learned the secret that you can right-click on the desktop and just click a button that says hide icons, and then it looks like this, even though it's actually a mess. There's a pro tip for some of you in the chat, okay? But there are two people, people that cannot survive without complete organization, and there are some people that can live with all the chaos. Maybe you're not super, you know, maybe you're not a PC gamer, so maybe some of that doesn't make sense to you. Let me use something that will make sense to everybody. Let's take a dive into your closet, shall we? Let's put the first picture on the screen. For some people, this is their closet. To some of you, you're already, you're stressed out again. You're freaking out. Everything might be, you know, a little bit disorganized. But to some people, like, it makes sense. Like, they know where everything is, this is just how they operate, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is how they are, but to some people, they're freaking out, because to some of you, your closet looks a little bit more like this one. And to some of you, if you are my wife, you see that it's organized, but you're like, it's not color-coded, okay? Like, there's already things wrong with this, even though it's not perfect. But some people are super organized, some people are not super organized. Let's go ahead and put that messy closet back on the screen. Here's the deal. Whichever one you are, it's okay. 
It's okay if your closet's a little messy. It's okay if you don't have your icons perfectly put in folders. Whether you're super organized or super unorganized, it doesn't make you a bad person. God still loves you. You can get to heaven with a messy closet. Put an amen in the chat. There is nothing wrong with your closet looking like this, but there is something wrong with your life looking like this. There is something wrong when your finances look like this. There is something wrong when your schedule, when your relationships, when your day-to-day is just all over the place that you're always scrambling, tripping over a luggage bag, trying to get to the next thing. And that's why today we're starting a brand new series called Breathing Room, and I want to start this brand new series with a message I've entitled, When You're Just Too Busy. We live in a world today that really, 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 really wants you to be busy. They want you to rush, they want you to be fast-paced, they want you to do a lot, because the mindset is, if you do a lot, you'll be successful, you'll live out your purpose, and we live in a world that hates slow. They don't like slow-paced. People don't like rests. If you find someone that has a lot of free time, most of us would automatically think they're probably lazy. If we find someone that's got a lot of free time, most of us probably think like, dude, why don't you do something productive with your time? Resting is productive. It's resting so that you can recharge to do something better. But in order to have a managed life, we have to look at what the Bible teaches about how to have breathing room. And I'll be honest, this is difficult for me because, like, this type of conversation is very different than what my actual life looks like. And so we're going on a journey together of what God wants to teach all of us on how we can just slow down a little bit, get some rest, get some breathing room in every area of our life, our relationships, our schedule, our finances, so we can just breathe a little bit, so we can just take some room and breathe. And so what I want to do is I want to read a passage of scripture to you from the book of Mark under this topic, when you're just too busy and look at the life of Jesus. We're going to read Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. It's going to be on the screen. Read it with me. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Some of you might know Levi better as Matthew. Verse 15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many of the tax collectors and sinners were eating with him, him being Jesus, so Jesus sitting with his people, and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, when they saw him eating with the sinners, And the tax collectors, they were a little confused. And they looked around and asked his disciples, why does he eat with these people? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy people who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. In church, Especially when we talk about Jesus. Man, do you mind bringing that water? Sorry, guys, my throat is hurting. I might need to take a little break here because I'm like literally not able to speak all of a sudden. <laughs> when we look at the life of Jesus, we focus only on his teaching. We focus on his truth. We focus on the things that he says. We focus on the things that he does. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
whether you've been around church for a short time or a long amount of time, you've probably heard that phrase. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And especially in the church, we love to talk about truth. Truth, 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 truth. You gotta learn this doctrine, gotta know this about the Bible, gotta believe truth. And truth is massively important. I went to Bible college, we learned about truth. I spent a lot of money for them to teach me the truth of what the Bible says. But what we also don't talk about too much is the way part. We always focus on his teaching, doctrine. I gotta, I gotta know my theology. But maybe you've met some people who know the truth that Jesus shared but didn't live the way that he lived. You might have a lot of information in your head, but you might not be very nice. You know the truth, but you clearly don't know the way. And so what I want to do in this passage is I want to dissect what Jesus is doing, but not from the lens of the truth, but more so from the lens, the lens of the way. Let's go ahead and read it one more time. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. So Jesus, just doing his normal everyday thing, goes out beside the lake, and then look what happens. A large crowd came to him. Like a large crowd. Like Jesus just stepped into an important moment. Like when, when you're speaking in front of a large amount of people, like it's probably an important thing. You should give your attention to it. It's a big deal. And he began to teach them. But now look at the next verse. As he walked along. Now let me pause here because I want you to see the context of what we're reading. We just saw that Jesus steps outside the lake and a large crowd of people come to him and he starts teaching them a pretty important thing on his agenda. Then we know, because we read the passage already, that then later that night, he goes to dinner at Levi's house. So what I want you to see is that right here when we see as he walked, this is Jesus in between appointments. This is Jesus in between two things on his agenda. He's God. He knows what's coming next. But somehow, in between two really important events, we see Jesus Somehow not in a hurry. We see him being busy, but not being rushed. Like, he's got stuff to do. He's not sitting around doing nothing. He's busy, but somehow he's not rushed. And you might be hearing this message going, yeah, but, like, things were way different back then. And Jesus doesn't live my life. Like, Jesus never got married. Jesus never had kids. Like, Jesus ain't as busy as me. And I would say, you're right. He wasn't your type of busy. But although he wasn't busy being married and raising children, he was busy coming down to earth from heaven, fulfilling major prophecies, healing the blind, raising people from the dead, opening eyes that couldn't see, all while being perfect, and while you're at it, saving the world. (laughs) He wasn't your kind of busy, but he was his kind of busy. My life doesn't look like yours, your life doesn't look like mine, but all of us are busy, just different. So we can't just start comparing our lives to each other because they're different. But the point is, everybody's busy. But Jesus is in between appointments, and he's just walking along. Just walking. And I don't want you to focus on the teaching. I want you to focus on his way. I want you to focus on his pace. Just walking. Walking along the way. I don't know about you. I work from home, and in my house I run. In my own house, I run. I got a meeting, got to get to the next one, just finish up a stream, got to do my... In my house, I run. I ain't, like, my house ain't that big. I ain't got much distance to travel. But it's thing, after thing, after thing. And I'll be honest, in between my appointments, I ain't got no time to walk. And maybe that's your life. 
dropping the kids off at basketball. Then we got to go here. Then we got to do this. Pick the kid up at daycare. Then I got to go to work. Da, 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 da. And you, I mean, you, you, you wishing there wasn't a speed limit. You ain't got no time to walk. <laughs> we ain't got no time to breathe. Because the world has built society around go, 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 go. But then we see Jesus doing more important things than me. Just walking. You won't find once in the entire New Testament where you see Jesus run. You won't see once where you see Jesus rushed. You won't see once Jesus say, I ain't got no time. You just won't find it. Because I don't just want to focus on his truth. I want to focus on his way. And he walked along. In verse 14, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. This is Matthew. Sitting at the tax collector's booth. And as I'm reading this, it just jumped out the page to me that if Jesus had been running, if Jesus had been too busy, he might have been too busy to notice Matthew. He might have been too busy. But because Jesus had his own pace, he had breathing room, he's walking along and he says, oh, even though I just finished up a major appointment with all these people because I'm God and I do important things, I'm not too important to see that guy. Now that guy was not a follower of Jesus, and he wasn't like, Jesus, my king, I'm over here. He didn't believe he was even God. He's off doing his own thing at a tax collector's booth, which were known as bad people back in the day, but Jesus was walking at just the right pace to where he noticed him. But I just began to think to myself, can you imagine if Jesus had been moving too quick and he had never saw Levi, who would have never become Matthew the disciple? And I wonder in my life and in your life, what things will never become what they once could because we're moving too fast to see them. I wonder if you've ever, as a parent, made the comment, man, I've just been so busy, I didn't notice that my kid was beginning to fill in the blank. Man, I've just been so busy, I didn't begin to realize that my marriage all of a sudden started hemorrhaging. So many times when we speak with couples struggling to marriage, all of a sudden it's like it's falling apart but we didn't notice that it was falling apart until it falls apart. Man, I'm just moving too quick that I don't see the things that are right in front of me. And, and seeing isn't even just preventing bad things from happening because nothing bad was happening to Matthew. But because Jesus saw him, he didn't prevent something bad. He caused something good. Because he saw him, Levi became a disciple and went on to change the world amongst the other men. But the only way this happens is if we're moving at the pace where we can actually see and notice and begin to realize there's other things in the world that are not on my schedule. There's other things in the world besides the things that I've convinced myself need to get done. And as we continue, Jesus sees Matthew at this booth, and look what he says to him. He says the famous phrase that he said to all the disciples, follow me. Follow me. Now, what I want you to notice is he didn't say, lead me. He said, follow me. And so when he says, follow me, and he continues to walk along, he's inviting Matthew to walk at his pace. I want to invite you to walk with me, not jog, 
Not sprint, not run. I'm inviting you to walk with me. Match my pace. Don't get behind, but also don't get ahead. I want you to walk with me. Amanda, come up and say to me real quick. This is something I want you to notice is the illustration. If I'm Jesus and I'm calling Amanda to be my disciple, and I say, follow me, and we're going to begin in conversation, what does it look like when two people are together and walking? Show me. Show the people. This is unprepared, but this is impromptu. Notice how just naturally she's walking with me because we are together. Now, this is what people don't do. Hey, you want to go for a walk? Let's do it. Like, no. Because once, stay right here, once one person gets ahead, now I'm leading and she's following. Once I've stepped out ahead of you, I'm no longer following you. Now I'm leading you. Thank you, Amanda. And what I want you to catch with this illustration is so many times in our lives, we're running. We're sprinting. Got so much to do. Busy, busy, busy. Got more to get done. More effective, more strategic. Better, 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 better. And we're running while Jesus is walking. And they were ahead of Jesus, wondering, God, I thought, I thought you wanted me to work hard, and he does. God, I thought you wanted me to do this, and he does. Why aren't you blessing it? Because Jesus says, because my blessings are back here with me. But you're way up there. I told you to follow me, and if you're going to follow me, walk beside me. Don't run ahead of me. Jesus told Matthew, follow me. Right beside me. Don't even get behind me. Walk with me. Follow me. Follow my teaching. But also follow my ways. If we're going to follow the ways of Jesus, we got to have breathing room. In our schedules, in our relationships, in our finances, we got to have room to breathe. Jesus called us to follow, not to lead. And as we're following him, He'll begin to open our eyes, and he'll begin to open up opportunities. But Pastor Susie, if I slow down, I'll get less results. My results will take longer to achieve. Yeah, they probably will. But I'd rather get less results doing things God's way than more results doing things my way. His way is better. Whichever life you choose to live is the one that you believe is better. And I think it's time for many of us, we start aligning our beliefs with the truth in the way of Jesus. I mean, sometimes we just got to slow down, do less. You might make less money, but you might be happier. You might be fulfilled. Your business might not grow as fast, but you'll be aligning your life with the teaching of Jesus rather than living a life that says, my way is better. My way is faster. My way is more efficient. Well, all the while, you're probably not noticing the Levi's in your life that are falling apart because you just didn't have time to see. And we often look at the life of Jesus, but we don't look at his way. We'll finish up the passage again, 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? 
And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And again, sure, there's a lot that Jesus is teaching here. We could talk all day long about Jesus sat with people different than him. We could take this eight million times. And I've preached this passage before. And last time we talked about the truth, but this time I want to talk about his way. I want to talk about his pace. I want to talk about his breathing room. And I don't know about you, but maybe for many of us, we can, we can remember a time in our lives when we had more breathing room. We can remember a, lot, a time in our lives where you weren't so stressed. You can probably remember, you know what, go ahead and put a me in the chat. If you can remember, I'm going to do it too. You, you remember a time in your life where you actually had time to do the hobbies that you enjoy. For many people, like you remember the time, like you had time to actually play video games. I get people all the time in my Twitch chat, and I'm too busy. I don't even play video games. I just lurk in your chat once in a while while I'm doing 8 million things. And there are seasons of life where, like, yeah, video games might have to take a back burner. Like, you just had a brand new baby. You're barely sleeping. Yeah, you might not be gaming for a while. But take an honest look at your life. Man, am I always stressed? Am I always anxious? Am I always in a hurry? And you might be able to remember a time in your life where, you had some breathing room. And the question is like, how do we get here? Here's how. I want to put a picture on the screen from the game League of Legends. Now, some of you have maybe heard of this game, and what you're seeing on screen right now was back in 2009 when League of Legends came out, it released with 40 characters. 40 characters. And people had the opportunity to play them, learn them. There was a free rotation. You could play a different group of people every week, get a chance to play them. But there was 40 so you got time to play all of them, practice them. And this was back in 2009, but here we are back in, here we are now in 2021. Let's show that next video on screen. Now the game has changed a lot, and now these are the characters in the game. And it's just going to keep on going and 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 it's still going and it's still going. And there it is. And we'll let that video keep playing. Because what I want you to see is that they didn't go from 40 characters to about 150 overnight. But every two months, they added one more. And then two months later, they added one more. So now if you try to play this game today, like some of your watchers right now be like, I thought about playing League of Legends and not after seeing this. Like, how am I going to learn these characters? Like, how is my brain capacity going to be able to handle learning their names, what they look like, all their abilities? All, how can I counter them? It's, it's too much. It's just too much. There's too many characters. But the game didn't launch this way. But how did we get from 40 to 150? Slowly, gradually, maybe without even most people really noticing. Just one more. And then one more, and then one more, and then another one, and another one, and another one. And some of you might look back at your life. Let's put that other picture back up. You might look back at your life, and you can remember this time. When you had breathing room, you didn't have too much responsibilities, or maybe you did, but you had a better way of managing all of it. But now all of a sudden, back to that video, now this is your life. That somehow over the past 10 years, you just added one more thing to do, one more responsibility, one more car payment, 
one more loan, one more credit card, one more child, one more house, one more video game, one more console, whatever. You just kept adding and adding and adding and adding. And now here we are, and we feel like we can't breathe. Because little by little, if we keep adding without any subtraction, it will eventually equal you not being able to breathe. So then what do we do? We have to make sure that we're living the way that Jesus lived. And i got to be honest, that's my life. One more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Until you look at that list, you're like, this, it's too much! <laughs> It just, it, it, there's not enough hours in the day to get it all done. It just, it's too much. It's too much. It's just, it's too much. And you might not even be feeling burnt out. And that's the scary part. You've just adjusted to too much. You've just normalized running. But here's what runners know. After a while, you're going to have to take a break. You can walk for a really long time. You can't sprint forever. But here's what happens on a treadmill without you noticing. If you just little by little tap that speed, before you know it, all of a sudden you're sprinting. And how did I get here? How did we get to 150 characters? And here's what I believe God wants us to do, wants me to do. We need to look at our champion list. We need to look at our schedule and just say, What's got to go? We can't do it all. So what's got to go? And you might look at your schedule, like everything on my schedule, but everything I do is good. Everything I do is important. Like, I'm just at the point where, like, every nanosecond of my day is, like, really important. So how can I cut anything out? And then I started looking at the life of Jesus. And do you realize that by Jesus choosing to talk to Levi meant him not talking to somebody else? You can't talk to more than one person at one time. Like, I can't go over and get Levi while also going over and getting this guy. So anytime that Jesus is saying yes to someone, he's also saying no to somebody else. But I thought Jesus loved that person. I thought Jesus wanted to save the whole world. And he does, and he did, for those that would put their trust in Jesus. But you can't do it all. We, I, can't do it all. So every person that existed on the earth while Jesus was there, Jesus loved all of them, but he didn't talk to all of them. Just not enough hours in the day. And so your schedule, it might be good. All of it might be good. Kids are in ballet. You got this practice. Serving on a Wednesday night. Church on a Saturday. This on that night. Everything is good. But something's still got to go. I can't tell you what it is. That's going to happen between you and your family and God. But something's got to go. You can't keep running forever. You're going to have to walk with Jesus, not ahead of Jesus. If Jesus called us to follow him, then why are we running while he 
is walking. And I'll tell you that God doesn't have a desire for you to do nothing with your life. God has great and amazing plans and a destiny for you, but he just wants you to do it at the right pace. He doesn't want you to experience burnout. He wants you to have breathing room. He doesn't want you to reach so many people for Christ that you ruin your life along the way. He doesn't want you to achieve so much and make so much money that your family falls apart in the process. He doesn't want you to keep on running while he's walking because whoever's ahead is the one who's leading. So I need to look at my life and look at yours and ask the question, who's in charge? Who's leading? And I hope for all of us, it's Jesus. He is the truth, the life, but he's also the way. And I'm looking at my life, and I encourage you to look at yours as we continue in this series. <sighs> Breathing room. Do you have any? Do you have any? Do you have any time? Do you have any time to talk with people? Jesus did, and he had to save the whole world. Jesus said the two greatest commandments, the greatest commandment ever is to love God and love people. And a lot of times you love with your time. So we got to have time to spend with God and time to spend with people. But most Christians don't have time to do either. Most Christians are too busy to spend time with God, too busy to spend time with people. So I might ask all of us, then aren't we too busy to be a Christian? Aren't we too busy to be a Christian? And here's the deal. I don't want to be too busy that I can't even follow the, the most basic of commands. Love God and love people. We're too busy. And we got to walk in his way. As we finish our time, I want to read one passage of Scripture to you that maybe for some of you, you've heard 8 million times, maybe for some it's brand new. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I wanted to read this passage because I think this is a beautiful illustration. The Bible gives us that God is our shepherd. He's the one who takes care of the sheep, and in Scripture, we are the picture of the sheep. And this whole passage is about God wanting us to live a life that is effective, but also restful. Not running, not going too slow, but just walking right at the right pace. But I wanted to read this passage because I really felt like God was speaking to me that there's one very, very important part in this. This whole passage is God showing his love to people. I am your shepherd. I love you because I care about you. And the shepherd does what is best for the sheep. But look what verse 2 says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
And as I was reading this passage, I just really felt it jump off the page and God speak to me. Because I love you, if you don't lie down, I might make you. I might make you. Because I care about you so much. Because I love you more than you could ever imagine. That job that you just lost, that you're wondering, God, why would you let this happen to me? He made you lie down because he knew three months from now a heart attack was around the corner. That opportunity, that finances that you lost, whatever it might be, that you're upset about God, he loved you so much, he made you lose an opportunity, he made you lie down because he knew your marriage wasn't going to make it much longer. And for some of us, I feel like God wants to say to us today, if we don't lie down, he will make you in the most kind, loving, passionate way you'd ever experience. The shepherd takes care of the sheep. But sometimes the sheep don't want to lay down. Sometimes I don't want to lay down. But here's the deal. I want to lay down before God makes me lay down. And I don't mean that he's going to bring harm to me. I don't mean that he hates me and that he's going to condemn me. I mean because he loves me. Man, I'm going to make you lay down before you fall down in such a way you can't get back up. And so the shepherd at times, when they needed to get the sheep to lay down, when they needed to get the sheep to stop, because oftentimes sheep aren't the smartest animals. Sometimes they'll run out of the area in which they've been allotted out in the woods and get eaten by a wolf. And so sometimes because the shepherd loves the sheep so much, as he continues to tell that sheep, don't go past the boundary, don't go past the boundary, don't go past the boundary, time and time again, there goes the sheep, just running, just running out of where he's supposed to go. Until eventually the shepherd says, I love you so much, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to go beyond the boundaries of what I've commanded you because out there is brokenness, is death. Out there is a wolf. So the shepherd would take his shepherd's staff and he would actually break the legs of the sheep to get it to lie down so that it wouldn't go to a place that was harmful for it. And for some of us, that shepherd's pen, that's your life. And on the other side of that, there's a wolf. It's called burnout. It's called divorce. It's called a heart attack. It's called stress and anxiety and worry. It's called having no room to breathe. And God loves you so much, so, so much. He doesn't want you running into the wolves. So if you don't lie down, might make you and it will be the kindest thing he's ever done for you because he cares about you and so here's what I want to invite you in on my journey I want to lie down before he makes me I want to lie down before he makes me I want to follow not just his teaching I want to follow his way his way it's better than mine it's better than mine I don't want to be up here running while Jesus is back here walking. I'm not leading. I'm following. But I can't follow if I'm ahead. We got to slow down. We got to be present in the moment. So many of us are having conversations like this. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what was that again? Emails, social media, just one thing after another. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Were you listening? Kind of. This is what we do. Not even present in the moment. If, if Jesus lived like us today, when he was walking in this story, he probably would have been walking like this. He wouldn't have seen Levi. Too busy. Too, just too busy. And so I want to invite us on the journey over the next two weeks as we ask God to help us create breathing room in our schedules, in our finances, in our relationships. And in all of them, you're going to hear a theme. Something's got to go. Something's got to go. You can't, you can't do it all. Even if everything on your schedule, everything on your budget is good, you can't do it all. So I want you to be thinking and praying, what's got to go? I'm looking at my life, what's got to go? What do I got to do less of and achieve less results because of? But I promise you, if you do things God's way, he will supernaturally bless the results that you're doing because you've obeyed him. And so you might not even get less results, you might actually get more. You might not even make less money, you might make more. Not because of your way, but because his way works better. It just, it just does. It just does. And so I want to take a moment and pray for us as we begin a journey over the next several weeks. <sighs> Asking the Lord to give us breathing room. And to not just talk about his teaching, but to talk about his way. God, we ask you today, Holy Spirit, to give us a posture and a heart of submission that we say, yes, shepherd, we will lie down. We will follow not just your teaching, we will follow your ways. And Jesus, as you walked, so will we. But God, I pray that you would help us because this is way easier said than done. Like we live in a world that's running. So how do we walk in a world that's running? And God, I don't even have all those answers. Like, even today, I, I don't even practically know fully how I'm going to go from running to walking. But God, if I don't figure it out soon, you might make me lay down. And so Jesus, I just pray today for our hearts, our minds, that we would slow down and to submit to your way. To follow you. Not to lead you by running ahead, but to follow you by walking beside you. Help us, Lord. I pray for those that are so overwhelmed with stress and anxiety that they're on the, they're on the brink of just breakdown. They're on the brink of their marriage falling apart. They're on the brink of just adjusting to the fact that they're just not happy. Holy Spirit, you have more. You have more. You have more. And I pray that God they would understand, God, what you don't have for us is more stuff to do. What you have for us is more of following your way. May we submit to you. May we say, Jesus, your way is better. I want to stop living my way, start living yours. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. The last thing that I want you to notice is that Jesus, he walked everywhere he went. But he even walked all the way to the cross where Jesus Christ would spread his arms wide. And he wasn't too busy to die for you and me. 
Can you imagine if Jesus was like, yeah, I can't fit the cross on my schedule. Not enough room. Maybe we can get someone else. Maybe I can just delegate it to like, you know, one of my angels or something. Like, no, 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 no. Like, he wasn't too busy to die for you. He died for me. We celebrated through communion. Jesus Christ gave his life, died on the cross, shed his blood, and three days later rose from the grave, showcasing that he is God, that he can do things that we can't, that he is great and he is mighty, and that he is the way. He showed us that his way is better. Following him is better. Following Jesus is better. And for many of you, I believe Jesus today is inviting you into a relationship with him. And the Bible says it is very simple, that if we'll believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that if you'll ask him to forgive you of your sins and to say, Jesus, I don't even fully understand what the entire book means yet, but I just know that I want to follow your way. Not even sure what the way is yet. I don't know what the whole Bible means, but we're just following Jesus. I acknowledge today I'm a sinner, and God, I need your forgiveness. And if that's you, I want to pray a prayer with you and invite you to pray this with me as you begin a relationship with God. Pray this with me. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. And I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sins and to be my Lord and my Savior. Help me, God, to follow you and your ways all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, will you put your hands together, put some hype in the chat to celebrate those that are saying yes to follow Jesus. And hey, here's the deal. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, coming back to God after a long time, here's what I want you to do. Would you be bold and just put yes in the chat saying, I just said yes to follow Jesus, making a commitment to follow God. And here's what we want to do. We don't just want to pray a prayer with you and then throw you out of the deep end and expect you to swim. We want to walk alongside you, helping you understand what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? How do you start reading the Bible? Like, what does it mean to start praying? What is water baptism all about? And so here's the deal. We want to put a link in the chat for you. Someone type exclamation point next level in the chat. And I want to encourage you, click that link. There's going to be a form. If you could, fill that out with as much information as you're comfortable. We want to have one of our pastors reach out to you connect with you, congratulate you. But also on that link, it's going to give you some actual practical next steps on what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how to get started on your journey. And I'm just so grateful today to see people in our chat hearing about Jesus and literally believing that people while watching the VODs, people while watching on YouTube, people still have opportunities to say yes to follow Jesus and have their lives changed for the glory of God. And that's what all this is for. We want to live our lives to follow Jesus. We want to see more people who don't know God come to know God. And I want to say thank you, thank you to every single one of you because you are making this possible through your generosity, through your giving. It is you that enables our church to continue to thrive and move forward and to see people all over the world one for Jesus. And so what I want to do in a minute is I want to give you an opportunity to partner with us and to give here at God Squad Church so we can continue to do this, to begin to share the story of Jesus all over the world. Literally right now watching, there are people all over the world. You know what? Actually, do me a favor. In the chat, type right now, what part of the world are you from. We're impacting people around the world, but it's only made possible through your generosity. And I want to say thank you. Before you guys watch a quick video, I want to give you a quick update. We have heard so much feedback. I, as a personal gamer myself, have wanted something so bad, and I've wanted the ease of access to simply be able to give through 
PayPal, thank you, Jesus. Streamlabs just actually released a brand new way for you to give. We'll throw a picture up on the stream. You guys know that you can click below the panels to click on the give icon, but now here's a new feature. Not only can you give a one-time gift through PayPal, but actually they just added the ability to give monthly. So if any of you want to be able to give monthly, a lot of people prefer to give through PayPal. Honestly, I prefer to give through PayPal. So if that's something you want to do, this literally just came out. want to let you know that that's available, but whether you're giving one-time monthly or whatever way that you're giving, Thank you for helping us impact people around the world. And I want to share with you just two quick stories. We're going to put a picture on the screen of someone by the name of Lady Aju. Read this with me. God Squad Church is my rock, my anchor in dealing with debilitating depression and anxiety. It has changed my life, and it filled a huge hole in my life, and I am coping so much better with the challenges in my life. These are some of the people that your giving is impacting. I'll give you one more. Zanup's coming up on the screen. This church and the community has been so inclusive, especially for people with disabilities who otherwise cannot serve in a typical church fashion. I serve here at God Squad Church. I have loved every second of it. Thank you, God Squad Church. And the reality is when he's saying thank you, he's saying thank you to you. Because your generosity makes this possible. Thank you for all that you do. I want to encourage you to give right now, maybe even the first time, however much you're giving, whatever you're doing. We want to say thank you. God bless you as you give. Here at God Squad Church, there are multiple safe and secure ways for you to give. You can go to the panels below this stream and give through PayPal. You can also go to our website, godsquadchurch.com give, and set up a one-time or monthly donation of any amount. Lastly, you can text any amount to the number 84321 to set up a quick and easy way to give. No matter what amount you're giving, we're grateful for your generosity. Thank you for helping us reach gamers around the world.